welcome to today's podcast. It's our great pleasure to welcome Duncan Ross and Nick Langford of AVA CADCAM, who are a specialist provider of CADCAM software solutions for the textile industry, with over 30 years experience creating targeted programs that digitise both the design and the production workflow. Both Nick and Duncan have a lifetime's experience and a deep knowledge of the textile space, and today we're going to take a deep dive into design and colour, looking into the supply chain and why we must adopt a digitised workflow if, as te te textile practitioners, we are to meet the needs of an industry challenged by sustainability and a new era of customised production. Hello Nick and hello Duncan. Hi Debbie. Hi Debbie. <laughs> hello, welcome. Nick, I think um, you're going to answer the first question. Um, when was AVA founded and what is the company's vision? Okay, so ABA was founded in 1983, so we were amongst the first developers for the Mac platform. Macs were very new in those days. Um, and our vision was to become technology partners for, to the printed textile industry, um, by which we meant we set out, we never set out, we never expected to be software providers alone because that didn't seem to make sense. Mm -hmm. Other to mm -hmm. provide and develop and provide software in conjunction with customers, but that meant being able to advise on the surrounding technology, which included obviously computers, which were new to most people in those days, but also uh, pr digital printers, early digital printers, and so forth. Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> Okay, uh, next question then. Um, tell us about the AVA software suite and how it meets the needs of the production workflow. Uh, the AVA suite, it's, it's fully integrated for both analog and digital printing, uh, which is pretty unique in the CADCAM industry uh, sector of textiles. Mm -hmm. When we talk about full integration, it means we can create or start an artwork which when color management is applied to it, it predicts and previews how it's going to look on a digital printer or on an analog printer or even on both. A lot of companies now trying to match digital to analog and analog to digital. And you're doing it automatically? We are bringing all the data together to give the designer, colorist, printer operator accurate color management of the print process. Okay. Okay. okay, but you t just to just to clarify, you go all the way through from design through to separation, through to colouring, through to colour management, all the way through. Yeah, through to for us the end product, if you like, is the printed textile. So we're 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 just to clarify. I mean, we are we are we talk about a textile company, but we're we're definitely printed textiles. So we don't get involved with things that don't have any print on them, which mm -hmm. of course. A large part of the textile industry so we're specialists in printed textile um, but for us the, the, the finished article if you like is the printed fabric so we are not uh, we're not in the uh, garment design and manufacture section of CAD CAM either um, so it's, it's really it's just about getting the, the, the whole process from the initial design of a print right through to printing the fabric uh, which, as Duncan said, could be digital or uh, rotary screen printed, or indeed both. Absolutely. So, 
tell us in the, in the last 20, 30, 20 years, the last 10 years, goodness, the industry has changed so much, so, so, so much. Um, what do you feel are the biggest production challenges that the textile industry currently faces? I think uh, the biggest one is to reduce waste, uh, particularly with increased focus on sustainability. Um, the traditional methods of production uh, produce a hell of a lot of waste because the, they really relied on trial and error and there are now much better ways of doing things. Yes, of course. And of course, with, your, with the help of your technology, the, the dawn again of um, a whole era of customization as well, isn't there? Because without without the backdrop backdrop of customized design and, and digitized workflow, you you wouldn't be able to create things and print them at the speed with which we are doing today. Yeah, I think the key the key you know when we talk about the division between digital and analog production, I think it's important to remember that uh, today. Some, uh, not more than 5% of uh, printed textile production is digitally printed. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to get carried away because we go to trade shows and everyone's obviously interested in the latest new technology uh, in terms of new digital printers, which are getting better and better and faster and faster. But it will be a long time before even the majority of textiles are digitally printed. There's a an awful lot of conventional um, printing capacity out there, which has low unit costs. So I think the really the breakthrough started a long time ago when the first um, very slow digital printers came, because even though they were never going to be production printers, for the first time they allowed um, designers, colorists, brand owners, to make quickly and effectively digital, digitally printed samples that were actually printed on the real, the right substrates, the right textiles. You could touch them, you could feel them, you could evaluate them before you sent them to conventional production. And that happened a long time ago. Um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was, there were the first Mimaki printers. They took an hour to print a, a meter, but that was, a very effective way of getting a real sample of a design um, compared to what had been available before. That's right. That was that was our, my first personal application of the technology. Actually, was um, to replace expensive rotary sampling with digital production, and then switch to switch back to analog for production, but only when those designs were sold. Yeah, and that's pretty much that's still most people's workflow. Uh, all that's happened with the with the digital printers getting uh, faster is that there's now a, there's now a little bit more flexibility, and they can they can either produce larger scale sampling, or they can even produce if if they can rely on accurately matching the digital and the analog. Of course, they can switch backwards and forwards, and there's a whole uh, product life life cycle management thing there where you produce your product, you, you start it off in digital and then when you see which ones are the, or which colorways are the big sellers, you put them onto the rotary screen machines and then at the end of the product life cycle, you may go back onto digital for small volumes rather than 
ordering thousands of meters when you have a, a stock out. Yeah, it's interesting though because you also see um, a huge shift of speed, don't you? In that the buyers, for example, who used to order you know ten or twelve thousand units are now ordering three to four hundred SKUs of a of a product, but they are also requesting that sometimes from the Far East in ten days. So I think we're also going to see a huge shift over to digital purely so that those orders can be customized. Um, so the print run might still be 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 meters, but there's a lot more de design diversity within that. And again, that's the only way you can do that is using digital technologies and, and digitized software too, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes. Although it's also true that using technology uh, such as ours, you can also speed up, vastly speed up the uh, or sh shorten the pipeline for conventionally printed stuff because at the moment the problem or traditionally the problem was that people started playing with these digital printers the designers would produce stuff that was looked beautiful on the digital printer um, and then send it off to the mill and say right make that and sometimes it was totally impossible because they actually printed colors digitally that couldn't be attained yeah. uh, using the real materials on the real fabric or more frequently it was they could but nobody knew how because the, the so basically they did it by trial and error and that still goes on and yeah. you regularly the average average you know we say how many how do you measure the efficiency of your color matching well we say how many how many times do we have to put it on the press before it passes the visual test and you know typically that number is 15 or 20 times so the whole thing is being put onto an analog press 15 times ink's got to be loaded fabric's got to be run through the machine till it gets up to speed and that's where all the wastage and in time money and um, materials and everything else is well, yeah. Absolutely, because by when you get an analog running, you could be talking two hundred meters by the time you've got it to speed. Yeah. Not to mention yeah. all the wash-offs yeah. in between all, and all the, yeah. the buckets of pigment that you're putting yeah. back. You tr well, trying to recycle in some way, but um, as you say, it's just absolute waste, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and of course, it all takes. And going back to the lead time thing, you know, all of that is taking a lot of time because each time they're running it, and then someone has to evaluate it, and then they have to make try and work out what adjustments to make and run it again and keep going around that loop. And that takes days or in some cases even weeks. And the same is applying to digital as well, Debbie, isn't it? It certainly is. And it should <laughs> yeah. use of digital printers. Sorry, sorry, Duncan, you're breaking up. It's the same as applying to digital printers as well, whether it's digital production or digital sampling. Um, it is, yeah. Operators aren't aware of what the printer can do so there's a lot of tweaking and printing and hoping and wasting time material energy ink yeah. in order to get the right batch of color out of the printer yeah different software different versions of software different profiles different embedded profiles um people yeah there's a huge huge lack of knowledge within the industry of how to prepare a file a pre-press file for digital production there is just, we're going to talk, talk, touch on that later on, but there is no standardization at all. So for yeah. the, for the, it's a lot easier to, um, to control that in-house. Um, but if, um, in my experience in a bureau, yeah, it can be very task, very, very tasking sometimes. Yeah. 
And there's a lot of people out there, as Duncan said, who don't even profile the machines regularly. So no. It's um yeah. There's a there's a there is a bit of a wasteland out there that needs um, expert knowledge. Um, but we've got an emerging industry. It takes time, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, um, and determination to be quickest and best in the market. Um, you know, we, obviously customers based in a major city, a major re a retailer in a major city, they want the right product delivered as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. And uh, somewhere down the line, the onus has got to be on a, a good printer operator with good color management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, digital printing is, you know, very, very clever, but it it's not, it's not, doesn't can't perform color miracles. No, <laughs> it, no. Uh, but it equally can create waste just it, with bad management, just as much waste as yeah. uh, as you can within the analog frame. Most definitely, especially when you talk about the big fast single pass machines, you've still got the same issue. Yes. Yeah, you have. Um, probably a good a good point to um, to move on to the next question. Actually, um, it would be. I think our listeners would really love you to walk us through color and explain the correct procedure for accurate color management. Okay, well, the, the key to it is that you kind of start at the, well, our approach is that you, ha you have to start at the, the far end, as it were. So you you start, if, if your end point is a print that's made on an analog press, then you start with that and you build what we do in the software is to model the performance of the analog press right back through the software to the design process. Obviously, if your end point is the digital print, because mm -hmm. that's the final production print, then you just do it from the digital print backwards. But either way, the goal of our software is that we are constantly simulating what the final output will, will be, so that from the first time the um, designer starts painting or playing with color or adjusting something that they've scanned as a starting point, they are seeing it as it would appear if they sent that file directly to production. So that allows them to design. Firstly, it ensures that they don't design things that can't be produced. Mm. And secondly, it makes it um, very easy for the um, producer, whether, that, whether that's somebody operating a digital printer or whether that whether the information is going to be put on to screens for a rotary screen printer, it's straightforward because you just put the information that um, our software has produced and you will get pretty close to that result, uh, obviously, assuming that there are, no, there are no human errors in the setup of the processes. <laughs> Not humans. So, so basically then, you are taking the gamut of analog printing and um, combining it with the gamut that's available in the digital space to make sure that when you create a digital file on the screen, it, the gamut can be achieved throughout your particular supply chain. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, but it's, yes, but it's much more than because because we deal because we're dealing in printed designs. Mm -hmm. It's far more than just the gamut because we're not just. Uh, it's not just a matter of whether you can produce a red shirt in this particular red. Uh, what we're trying to do is is provide an accurate simulation of a of, of a complex, often complex printed design. Yep. So what we're, what we're simulating is not just the gamut, 
But in order to get an accurate preview, if you're doing, if you're sort of playing with, uh, let's say, a, a watercolor floral design, which has got lots of delicate tones yeah. and over overprinting in it, in order to provide you with an accurate, you the designer at the very beginning before it's gone anywhere near a press with a preview of what that would look like on the press, we need to not only model gamuts, but we also need to model two other things. One is how individual colors break down tonally. Mm -hmm. So as you reduce the tones from 100% to 10%, what, what the color do? And second is what happens when you put color A on top of color B? Yeah, I was just gonna say, what do you do with a fall on you? Yeah. yeah. And those are the two things that are very difficult to model. And basically, that's the unique selling point of ABA is that we, we do that for textiles. And as far as I know, no other software does. We certainly do it very effectively. And it's, it's not particularly easy, but it's possible. And there's a process and there's a involved in setting up that. So it's, it's tuned to the performance is modeled on the particular performance of a particular set of inks or dyes on a particular substrate yep. working on a particular press whether it's an analog or a digital uh, oh, printer yeah. so all of, the, all of those things are built into the model so that from then on anything that we draw or uh, we can and obviously you can have different models you can say well, what would it look like if i print it over there on that printer, or what would it look like if I print it somewhere else on a totally different type of printer? You can just switch between the models very easily. So basically, you're taking perhaps you know from a digital as a digital designer, which would just create a design. It might have 16.7 million colours in it, but at the end of the day, commercially, if it's going to end up going down the analog route, it then has to be taken down to what 10 or 8 colours through 10 screens for a commercial print run. And what you have to do yes. with your yes. technology so, so yeah, is replicate it perfectly. You yeah, see? we have to, we, you, we, you, do, you do a color separation, but you can do, you can do a, if you, you, as you say, you start off with a design that's got millions of colors in it. Um, and then if it's tradition, if it's going to be traditionally printed, it then has to be separated to the number of screens that you've got available on your analog printer that's always happened and you can do that um you can do that you know somewhere or another you can get a separation just using adobe photoshop or various other software with aba you've got a lot more different separation techniques uh, and a lot more control over that process but importantly if you if you have done if you have elected to do the whole production color profiling process the whole of that process when you're separating is you're looking at a live preview of what will actually happen if you put that information on those screens on that press and print on that particular fabric so it's not just the separation process it's the separation process using the production profile at the same time so that you're actually getting a realistic profile of yeah, absolutely. A preview of what's going to happen. Yeah, just switching back to the digital space for one minute. Can you just um, can we just talk very briefly about the importance of calibrating for each fabric type in the digital space? And I know Duncan and I have spoken about this in the past. 
um, that it isn't best practice in our industry. Can you just explain to me why it's so important to calibrate the, the fab each fabric? Well, our philosophy is if you invest time at, during the whole production process, if you invest time in building up a profile of your fabric, the combination of your fabric, your ink, your printer, your, your rip settings, if you build up profiles of those fabrics in advance, when you receive an order or a production job order for uh, a, a particular printer and that combination of ink and fabric, you apply that profile and you see immediately the good and the poor areas that are going to perform on the printer before you've printed a single yard, meter, inch of the design. The, the other approach, which we think is a little bit amateurish and old-fashioned, is you print it, you have a look, you make some arbitrary tweaks to try and guess, to force the printer to achieve that colour, in which case is wasting time, ink, energy, fabric. Yeah, yeah but to answer your question more specifically, Debbie, the reason why you need different profiles for different fabrics is that different fabrics will absorb uh, inks and dyes completely differently and obviously uh, e even if they work part of the difference is the color of the base fabric which is never exactly the same mm -hmm. but even if they were exactly the same color if they're a totally different construction or a totally different material they will react uh, very differently to the dyes being printed on top of them so yes in an ideal perfect world you would have a profile for every single different fabric that goes through your printing mill. Now, some people are in a position to do that because they deal with relatively small number of fabrics, but some printing mills clearly can't. And there they have to, they're, they're able to adopt a sort of pragmatic approach, which is they will work out that this profile is going to be okay for this group of 10 fabrics because they have similar characteristics. So they don't necessarily have to take this to the nth degree of perfection. But yes, in theory, uh, the best results would be to have an individual profile for each fabric because each fabric, uh, depending on its weight, its density, what materials it's made of, what color it is, will give you a different result. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, my personal experience in the past as well was sometimes it's difficult to uh, to meet a customer's expectation if they aren't and they are if they aren't in possession of the facts. And I think it's really important out there that we we do share much more knowledge online because it's so many people just don't realise that if you take a design and you print it, you just I'm just going to be really simple here. You print it on a polyester or you print it on a cotton, you're going to get a different colour yield. But a lot of people just really don't understand that. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, absolutely. And even if you print it on a, a heavy cotton or a light cotton, you're going to get a different result. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's great. Great answers. Thank you so much. Um, I'll move on to our next question. Um, our industry has a, a huge issue with waste, and we've probably partly touched on this, but um, why are we still producing millions of metres of waste fabric due to poor coloured management? Yeah, but the simple answer is that most people are using trial and error to do their colour management. So they're given a target, which is usually these days, it used to be a piece of digitally printed paper, but now it is usually a piece of digitally printed fabric uh -huh. uh, as the target that's been signed off by the, the buyer or whoever. And they are told 
this is what you've got to print. And they will, the only way they can do that, because that target has come out of just a random Photoshop file or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, there is no clue to them as to how they can actually do that. So the way they do it, and of course there are a lot of very experienced, skillful people out there who've been doing this for many years, otherwise they would never, they would never get their credit to them. They usually do, but they get there after 10, 15, 20 attempts. They yeah. finally get something that's good enough. And then, and in the meantime, as you, as you already said, there are hundreds of meters, hundreds of hours of effort and hundreds of meters of fabric and dyes just going in the dustbin. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as a designer that worked in the analog space way back when, you know, you, you would know which colors are achievable um, printing pigment, for example. As a, as a commercial designer, you would, you would know the parameters of that color. And I think so often um, in our emerging industry, designers just don't realize that, you know, there is just no way you're going to get that red or there's no way you're going to get that yellow at that soft, soft, soft tone. Um, but, they, but then the printer will work really, really, really hard to, to please the designer. And as you say, creating waste yeah and but a gamut you mean what you're talking about a gamut limitations which mm -hmm. is one of the problems but even if it even if there isn't a gamut problem the the waste is created just because yes it is possible to achieve a perfect match to the target the colors are all in gamut the point the problem though is they don't know how to they don't know because the separation if they've been given a separation if yeah. it wasn't done through color managed software the separation if they just put that information on each screen and then apply the colors that were used in photoshop to each screen they will not they will which is what they usually do as a first step they'll get something that's a million miles away and then the only thing they can do is just keep trying tweaking a bit of here let's change the yellow let's do this let's do that at that point they can't usually change the information that's engraved on the screens so they have to just start tweaking the colors that they print on each layer and hope that they can get something close and that you know that's so that's a trial and error process it's a long process so so moving on to that, moving on to the next question, question, which just touch on that actually is um, as the industry becomes increasingly automated, and the, the supply chain is struggling to adopt the essential technologies. Why do you think that's the case? Well, why do you think people are not adopting technologies such as your own that that can solve those problems? Companies are adopting the technology. Um, the professional businesses slow, been... slow to do it though, aren't they? We're talking about um, the, whole well, the, the, the whole supply chain, maybe. Yeah, well, in terms of printed textile producers who've been doing it digitally for 20 years, mm -hmm. they have some sort of colour management system in place, whether it's AVA or another system. It's, it's the newcomers to the industry who are excited about the potential gains of a growing industry who don't really look at all the, all the ingredients involved in a digital print installation. And, and perhaps they're not getting, well, who do they get the advice from other than the printer salesperson? Yeah. Um, or they've just got to figure out themselves, okay, guys, there's a better way to print this fabric efficiently than what we're doing right now because the mountain of waste is intolerable. But, and what's scary, going back to your previous question, we, we really don't know the answer to how much waste is currently generated by the printed textile industry in terms of 
wasted samples, mm. the cost of samples, and also uh, digitally printed production. I was given a figure this week, actually, it was at a fashion event this week, which was very interesting. Um, and the fashion industry desperately wants to adopt the new technologies throughout the entire supply chain from, from the very beginning, designing the garments, fashion garments, all the way through to production. But there's this whole conundrum of how do they turn these huge companies over to that automated workflow and at which point do they start? Um, and some of them were, were starting at, at the sampling stage, but that sampling stage is responsible for between eight and nine billion pounds worth of garments um, produced every single year, none of which ever sold, um, just go straight into landfill. It's incredible, yeah. incredible statistics, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I was talking to another guy a few months ago and he told me that one of his clients had um, an $80,000 um, DHL bill monthly, which just seems impossible actually, but um, just moving, moving yeah. twirls around New York from fashion house to fashion house to fashion house to fashion house because they insist on seeing the final garment rather than having the confidence to make mm. more decisions using avatars and 3D renders. Um, and again, that comes through to correct profiling, doesn't it? And the ability to predict in an avatar at the beginning of the supply chain what you're actually going to print at the factory at the other end and the clarity and accuracy of that colour. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting time and it's a sea change in, um, for our industry. It's very, very exciting. Um, moving on to the next question. ABA have supported the industry for many, many, many years, providing expert training and numerous awards. Can you tell us more about how, you su how you're supporting the community? How, just repeat the question, please. Are we supporting the community of... The, yeah, you've been, you support the industry providing oh, the tra training awards, awards. Okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Education, it's um, the, well, lifelong learning and educating our customers and sharing knowledge is, is one of AVA's values. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a duty to educate, constantly educate uh, our customers, but also the next generation of customers in university, even in high school to some extent, but in university and coming out of university in the principles of digital color management, which then helps sustainability. So if we, if designers can come out of university understanding the limitations of digital print yeah. and dispelling this myth that you can print any color digitally, where that's completely false, mm -hmm. that if we can um, teach color management in the design world, because AVA is fully integrated suite, the color management is used at the design and coloring stage. That's what designers want. It, it can be invisible to the, the designer in terms of they're unaware that it's active so they can be creative in AVA just as they are in, in, in Adobe and other applications but when they see a color and it's the color is represented by uh, the profile of the, the printer they can trust that color if they like the color and they know it's printable then in theory everybody's happy the, 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 the color's fashionable it's going to help sell the garment and we know that the color can be printed Therefore, the theory is the waste will be minimal. Um, so it's, it's training those principles to uh, the undergraduates. Uh, and we, uh, as a company, we've, we've been supporting universities for many, many years uh, in terms of installing AVA systems and helping the lecturers train the software and the tools and the technology to the undergrads. But we also give out awards at uh, various charities and organizations such as Tech Select. Uh, new designers and IDOT, for example, mm -hmm. 
um, which which is um, we're recognizing a talent coming through into home furnishings and fashion mm-hmm. um, who 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 get who really embrace the principles of color managed design. Yeah, so those, those, those come to us as graduates and they do a specialist training course which typically takes four weeks of intensive course uh, and then uh, we help them find jobs which is usually a fairly quick process. It's very helpful for them isn't it, so it really is an essential resource to connect them as you guys do to the wider industry and find them jobs, it's so important that they have those core skills so they can carry on with their passion and, and be creative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they can be the, as you said, I mean, they can be the um, the leaders of change. You know, they may be young, but if they're the last person in, but they're the only person that knows about this technology, they can actually become the leaders of change in some of these uh, organisations, which, as you've pointed out, are a bit slow to adopt the new technology. No, that's right. But as, as you know, everyone talks about circular design. It starts with design, doesn't it? But if we don't, if we don't equip the next generation with the right knowledge, that's, we're slowing down the whole process. So thank you, and um, thank you for all your help that you've been giving the, the creative communities over the years too. Um, gentlemen, it's time for our last question, and I know that sustainability is an important issue to you both, p- professionally and personally. Can you share your insights and your vision? Yeah, I mean the, the 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 big the big impacts we can have uh, are twofold. One we've talked about at length already is the actual uh, reduction of of physical waste by getting things right first or second time rather than fifteenth or twentieth time uh, through more accurate color management based on realistic profiles of the of the final printing process. Um, but the other is which you touched on earlier, Debbie, is, is is the communication thing. There are a lot of people flying all over the world constantly uh, in order to approve things. And it uh, color communication, the design communication, because of course, in our case, the bit that we're interested in is not communication of flat color, which uh, is enough for, of course, large chunks of the textile industry which don't involve printed design. They they just need to get the actual flat colour right. But in our case, we're talking about hundreds, thousands of colours in a printed design. It needs to be approved, but that can reliably be done remotely. And I've never thought about it like that. So colour actually has a, a carbon footprint. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are an awful lot of air miles going into uh, doing what the process that you just described in New York, but it's happening on a global because the the mill is in Pakistan or whatever, and the buyer insists on approving the fabric before it goes into production. So people are actually flying in order to do that. But if the designers are working on using your your technology for calibrated screens, for example, um, then they can make those tweaks and amends, can't they? Um, as you say, in a virtual world with three thousand miles between them. Yeah, and they can also they don't have to, you know. Of course, things can still go wrong. Someone might have pressed the wrong button, but they can also do a quality control remotely as well. That makes absolutely certain that what is at the other end is what they're looking at. Uh, a preview of on their monitor and what they signed off uh, as the approved target. Oh, that's great. Duncan, do you have anything to add there? 
for me, it's it's very rewarding to see a company who approached us to solve their colour matching challenges. It's very rewarding to see them get down from 15 attempts to match down to five or even one. We, yeah. we can achieve one with somebody who really wants to uh, uh, automate the printing process. Uh, the, the, the goal, the real goal is, is for big companies involved in printing lots of fabric to get down to that one one sample which matches digital and analog production it's it's achievable it, it's hard work but uh, th- everybody gains everybody gains from a very efficient professional workflow yes, that's, a, that's a great answer i've actually missed out a really important question do you mind if we skip back um as an industry do you believe that eventually we can standardize color do you think in the future it will be possible through the textile industry? I think you know most of the discussions about standardization, which are very interesting, are less directly applicable to what we do. Mm. Because you know, you talk about you can talk about colour standards, but you're generally talking about a flat colour. So whether it's whether your standard is a Pantone standard or whatever, yes, that's helpful. It's helpful for people to be able to communicate that. Uh, and that is definitely achievable, but uh, in the in the case of what we're doing, which is printed designs, that in itself doesn't solve the problem because even if it's a let's say a conventionally printed design and it's got eight colours in it, we can make sure that the eight colours that uh, are on the tabs at the side of the design match the standard perfectly but that doesn't really guarantee anything like a match on the printed design, which of course yeah. is what the customer's actually interested in. So Absolutely, yeah. From the outside, it looks like a, a, a problem that could be solved, but I agree with you that textiles is a, is a very deep industry and um, highly technical. Yeah, but it's certainly very, very achievable for flat colours, which of course is, is a hell of a large part of the textile industry. They don't have printed designs on, they just want to be the right colour. Uh, and that is easily achievable. For printed designs, it's also achievable. It's not so much about standards, though. It's about modelling the actual production that's being used. That's great. Gentlemen, thank you. That's the end of our podcast. We have we have whizzed yeah. through all of our questions, and we're actually bang on time. That's great, 30 minutes. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for inviting us to uh, do the podcast with you, Debbie. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, and I'll make sure that... Um, all of the links to AVA CAD CAM are in the podcast notes and um, it will also be available, the interview will also be available as a, as a transcript too, uh, for those that don't like to read and not listen, <laughs> which, which is getting less of us these days. Thank you so much, gentlemen, and look forward to meeting you, Nick, in, in person soon. And yeah. um, Duncan, I'll see you um, in a few weeks, maybe. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Have a lovely weekend. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.